You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. With the World Baseball Classic underway, a lot of Mets have left camp to go represent their countries. This has left playing time available to some of the Mets' top prospects to continue to make an impression on the MLB coaching staff. We're going to discuss today is which players will take the most advantage and how could this impact their development moving forward. In the first segment, we'll discuss the two guys that might actually make the team out of camp. That's Mark Vantos and Brett Beatty. In the second segment, we'll get into some of the middle infield options first. Some of the MLB guys like Aloui Guillorme or Danny Mendick getting more run as well as a Ronnie Mauricio as a top prospect. And also behind the dish, Omar Nervais leaving allows Francisco Alvarez to get some time. We're going to go through all that. Then in the final segment, the one pitcher I'm really looking at who might get a little extra run, who could make this team, that's Bryce Montes de Oca. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Now, the World Baseball Classic has begun, and you've seen a lot of Mets leave camp. I did a full World Baseball Classic team preview uh, you know, a couple of weeks back where I went through all the different Mets that have left. But when we're focusing in on the way they've cleared some playing time, I think this is where you see the Mets really benefit from having such a good team with so many guys who are getting some run in this tournament, you know, because you still have Eduardo Escobar, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, and Pete Alonso getting ready for the season via the tournament, that allows you to give opportunities to other guys. And really, I think the two that jump out are the two guys that we continue to discuss at nauseum because they really are the biggest story in camp right now, and that's Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty. These are two prospects that debuted at the end of last season that are making a push to grab that last spot on the roster and potentially both breaking camp with the team, which I don't think is the most likely of outcomes. But let's just say someone gets banged up and you have an IL stint that you're not expecting that opens up one roster spot and you cut Darren Ruff. Well, now you can envision a scenario where the Mets carry a Vientos and a Beatty. I, I spent you know time on yesterday's show talking about Tommy Pham. I can't envision a scenario where the Mets make a decision this early on Pham. He's going to get his opportunities early in the season. So that likely means with him being part of the bench, you are going to have to choose between either a Beatty or a Vientos. But both of these guys now get a chance to make a claim for themselves. You know, Mark Vientos who's in direct line of competition with someone like a Darren Ruff or maybe even the Tim LaCashers of the world, all these guys that could round out a bench. Well, in a normal spring training scenario, you have to find time to get Pete Alonzo his at-bats. You have to find time to get Ruff his at-bats. And all these different guys at that first base DH spot, Daniel Vogelback being part of it as well, 
Now for Vientos, he can get starts at first base, prove he can play the position, get a lot of opportunities to get into games. I think you're going to see in most spring training games, uh, Beatty and Vientos getting a couple at-bats each, and what they do with those at-bats could lead to them making the club. For Brett Beatty, I'm telling you what, the more that we're watching him, the more I'm starting to envision, if not him being part of the opening day roster very soon, grabbing a spot on this team and being the starting third baseman, getting all of the at-bats against right-handed pitchers, and maybe even most of them against lefties, maybe a shield them from the tough lefties. But, man, Brett Beatty defensively at third base, I think at times a lot of fans, and I've said this before, but you get a little bit, swayed by, for one, maybe the broadcast on an Eduardo Escobar defensively where it seems like they were very favorable to him last year. They didn't really criticize him much. Um, and, and you see maybe the good plays, but you're not noticing the balls that he's not good coming in on or the the, the plays that he's maybe venturing to his left too much on a ball that uh, Lindor should field and he's not making the good throw. Eduardo Escobar defensively last year graded in the 8th percentile when it comes to outs above average. He was minus 11 defensive runs saved, I believe, and minus 7 outs above average. Defensively, he grades out pretty much as bad as it gets. And I even saw somebody, I, I made a post where it was Brett Beatty making a play down the line. It's one of those Nolan Arenado, uh, you know, Matt Chapman, uh, whatever great third base, Manny Machado type plays where you field the ball and you throw it from foul territory and you put it on a strong throw and you get the guy at first. Beatty made one of those plays in a spring training game. And, and to me, that shows uh, some athleticism that I don't think Escobar still has in the tank to make a play like that. So I, I tweeted that out and I basically said Brett Beatty's a better player than Eduardo Escobar in every facet at this stage. And one of the comments I saw was from someone saying, look, statistically, Brett Beatty was worse last year. And I ended up trying to find the one stat that would normalize it, which is ultimate zone rating over 150. This takes a player's defense and averages out over 150 games. So if you have players with varying playing time, you can get a comparative sample to be able to look at player A and player B and see which one was better. It's ridiculous to gauge too much from a 93-inning sample size from Brett Beatty last year. But in that lone metric that would allow us to take a sample size that small, extrapolate it over 150 games, and compare it to Eduardo Escobar, do you know the difference between them defensively last year? Eduardo Escobar's UZR over 150 was minus 6.4. Beatty's was minus 1.4. So even last year in a small sample, he graded out as a better defender then Escobar, I think he showed up into camp much better at the position. I think he really put a lot of work in to be a quality third baseman. And I think defensively, he is on this roster outside of, of course, a Louis Guillaume or a Danny Mendick who are you know converted shortstops that can play all over the infield. If you're comparing uh, you know, the, the ability to put a bat in the lineup that can give you some pop, like an Escobar, like a Beatty, but then you look at the gloves between them or even a Vientos, Beatty's the best complete third baseman on this roster, and because of that, uh, I do think he might make a case so good for himself that the Mets say, you know what, we're going to roll with Beatty at third. I think the only way that they don't is if they really want to give Escobar that chance to keep the job. But I don't understand why you'd be so beholden to a guy that's on a two-year contract if you have maybe your third baseman in the future ready to go. And I also will note this. As much as you want to talk about 
getting him some seasoning defensively. Nothing's going to compare him for playing the hot corner at the big leagues like playing the hot corner at the big leagues. So if there is some growing pains that need to happen, might as well have them in April and May uh, so that by the time you get into the thick of the season in June and July where you really can win this division, June, July, August, September, this guy is a, a... more finished product uh, as a major league third baseman. So I think this is great, though, to have these guys out, to have Escobar getting his ability to get ready for the season where in a normal spring you still need to feed him some at-bats to get him up to speed. You now get a chance to play Beatty every single day here and really see what you got so you can make a tough decision, I think, in a camp. There's a couple of more guys in the infield that have an opportunity Uh, with some vacated playing time. We're going to discuss them in just a minute. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try Built Bar. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come with unbelievable flavors like the churro, the peanut butter brownie, the coconut almond. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros, with only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now, you don't even have to wait around for a box because in the past, I tell you, go to built.com. You still can. You can get your mixed box, try multiple different flavors in one order. But if you are jonesing for a built bar now, head to your local Walmart or Sands Club. You can go to Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of their cookies and cream, double chocolate, or the coconut puffs. Or if you're close to a Sam's Club, head in there, grab a 13-bar box of their churro or brownie batter. You can thank me later. Go to Built.com or go to your local store and get your Built Bars today. When it comes to the Mets' top prospects, there really is this collection of four that figure to have some impact this season and a lot of impact beyond that if you head into 2024 as you have Beatty and Vientos, who we've already discussed today and, of course, have been discussing, and the other two guys that have had a lot of, I guess, airtime on this show recently, and Francisco Alvarez and Ronnie Mauricio, these guys continue to get playing time now because... Lindor, not in camp. That frees up a lot of that bat at shortstop. You're going to see Louis Guillorme get some time there. I'm sure you're going to see Danny Mendick get some time there as these are guys that have a chance. Well, for Guillorme, he will be on the MLB roster. And for Mendick, he's got a chance to grab that last bench spot if he proves he can be healthy coming off the ACL. And he did start a game, I believe, uh, yesterday. I think he was starting the game against Nicaragua. Didn't see how he did in that game, but... Uh, I did see Alvarez started that one as well. So there's an opportunity with the middle infield leaving of McNeil and Lindor for those you know, MLB players, guys who have the MLB experience, to get a little bit of run to get ready for the season and for Mendick to maybe make the roster. And then when you look at Alvarez, you know he had an opportunity there for him behind the plate to catch some of these guys. He got to catch Max Scherzer in that start against Nicaragua, and, and, and he... Went out, Scherzer did, struck out nine batters in three innings, which is pretty damn good. So it didn't seem like he was phased by having Alvarez behind the plate. The fact that guys like Verlander and Scherzer can call their own game to Alvarez with the pitch comm and all he's got to do is set up, that makes his life easier too. Obviously, 
you want the catcher involved in the game plan and and helping you. But if he just knows where to set up and if he can frame well and maintain and control the running game, there's a chance the Mets can take some of the thinking out of it for Alvarez this season. Uh, and that'll only make the learning curve a little less steep for him. So I think it's good, though. He's getting these chances to learn these pitchers. That's really big because you think at some point this season, Alvarez might ascend to be the starting catcher. So you're getting a, a great look at him. And for Ronnie Mauricio as well, he is having a great spring. He's putting up big numbers. He came to camp uh, you know, more into game speed than anyone with all the baseball he played this winter. And he's just continuing to make a name for himself. We're not going to really know what to think of Ronnie Mauricio until you get him in a normal season scenario where he's playing nine innings and you know he's facing good competition in AAA. And we can see as you know those pitchers, once they get into their season, are a little bit crisper than what he's seeing right now with guys just stretching out in spring. We'll see how the, the changes he has made throughout the, the end of last season into the offseason. We'll see how that translates. So we'll see if his plate discipline's better, if the chase rate stuff can, can come down and he can be uh, a more disciplined hitter at the dish. But right now, this is another chance for him uh, to, to get in front of some people, to get in front of the coaching staff and prove himself. You can't rule out Ronnie Mauricio being part of the team this year. Now, we don't know defensively what that means. I mean, you would hope that that does not mean that you're losing Lindor at any point. Uh, but if you did, you would you know, be tempted to go to the prospect with the upside over starting Guillaume at the position every day. That would be something that I think the Mets would have to consider if Mauricio was having a great season. So now you're getting a chance to see him play some shortstop. I think that's good to know. And then when it comes to where he plays throughout the year, I think if he's hitting in AAA – and we start to see him get that one start at third a week. Or we start to see him, oh, well, you know, today in, in Syracuse, Ryan Mauricio is playing a little bit of right. That's when you're going to start to think, okay, the Mets maybe are considering promoting him. Uh, he's a switch hitter. brings a lot of power to the table. I, I really think that his timetable is more pointed towards 2024. And I also think he's the type of a prospect with what do they already have you know, in, in system with, with Beatty. Know, coming up and, and potentially being the third baseman and you know Alex Ramirez beyond that and Jet Williams, which are guys that are further away but could factor into the mix in a lot of different places. You know, I do think that the Mets will be very open to moving a Ronnie Mauricio this season if they have to trade someone at the deadline. So I think that's part of why you keep him at shortstop to preserve him as a shortstop prospect to be traded. But if he's not moved and he starts moving around when it comes to his position that would make you think that they're viewing Ron and Mauricio as a building block potentially, and he could have a fit on this roster at third base with Beatty shifting into the outfield. He could have a home in left or in right potentially uh, long term. So, again, with World Baseball Classic uh, taking some of these guys away, you're getting a chance to see the prospects get way more playing time, and that's only going to help their development. And it's only going to potentially help your roster at some point this season because, like I've said, there's every chance that each of them plays a role at some point because injuries always happen where these guys might have to step in and and be better prepared, hopefully, than they were last year when the Mets were sort of grasping for straws with their top prospects in September. 
There's also pitchers, though, who are getting extra opportunities, particularly one that I want to discuss who I think has a chance to be the next great reliever the Mets had developed was the last time we said that. This is an opportunity to develop a guy who's got closer-type stuff, who is showing out in spring right now. We're going to discuss Bryce Montes de Oka in just a minute. First, though, today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season has passed. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers are going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three points drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. I also personally have my eyes towards MLB Futures. Francisco Lindor, sneaky good MVP pick. Last time I checked his odds at FanDuel, plus 2500 That means you get great value even if you just throw 10 bucks on him. If Lindor goes out this season, puts up an MVP campaign, you're going to be pretty happy that you did go to FanDuel and place that bet on him now. Don't miss the chance to also get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. When it comes to the World Baseball Classic, there are three pitchers the Mets have who are going to be part of the opening day bullpen who will be in the tournament. And that's Edwin Diaz, David Robertson, and Brooks Raley. Robertson and Raley pitching for USA, Diaz for Puerto Rico. This gives prospects or you know guys who are fighting for a spot, whether that be your Tommy Hunters of the world, whether that be you know, guys that have been around for a little bit, like Steven Nogasek, who's out of options, or a Rule 5 draft pick like Zach Green, who's trying to make the team. Steven Ridings is brought in this offseason as a guy who is trying to break through after being with the Yankees. This opens time for all of them to get a little more run, and the guy who I think is going to most take advantage of this is Bryce Montes de Oca. This guy is jaw-dropping when you watch him. Because he can touch 102, he can live at 101 at times, it feels like, with that sinker, whatever you want to call it. You know, they, they were tracking the pitch as a sinker uh, on the broadcast and afterwards. But it also looks like a two-seam grip. And, and he has a way, it seems like, where he can throw that two-seam and it has ridiculous movement horizontally. You know, 21 inches of break, that's insane. So if you're a left-handed hitter... Like Andres Jimenez, who is coming off whatever it was, a 6.6 F-War season, which is wins above replacement, so that made him, I think he was outside of Altuve. Maybe it was 6.4, Altuve was 6.6. He was the second-best second baseman in baseball last year. Had an unbelievable offensive campaign for the Guardians. He's now playing for, I think it was for Venezuela. It was it was the Mets versus Team Venezuela. And Deoka got a chance to face him. And it was cutter, cutter. It's like a cutter slider. I've seen them describe his pitch as a slider in the past. 
but it doesn't really have sweeping movement. It's got some tight break to it uh, at like 93 to 95 miles per hour. So you have that pitch that bends one way. You got the sinker two seam that breaks off the table the other way. Uh, it seems it can even at times kind of limit some of that horizontal movement, maybe a little more four seam on that fastball. But you're looking at the pitch that really stands out being that that two-seam sinker movement, which is, again, 101 to 102, can dart away from a lefty, can break into the bat and really probably break some bats on some right-handed hitters. He could throw that slider to, to get in on a lefty or to get away from a righty. Uh, I think he could really attack the, the lower part of the zone with his particular arsenal, and we'll see if he has... Maybe a different counter he could do if it's more of a straight four seam that he can work up in the zone because high heat at 101 is going to be very effective as well. The way his ball kind of drops off the table a little bit, you don't necessarily want to work that pitch too high because if you miss the spot, then all of a sudden it's breaking right over the heart of the plate. Anyone can turn around 101 in the big leagues if it's you know center cut. But still, what this guy could bring to the Mets bullpen is some strikeout stuff that few pitchers can offer here. I mean, last year he had 80 strikeouts uh, and a strikeout per nine of 14. For context, Ford's career, Edwin Diaz is at 14.8 for a strikeout per nine. Last year it was over 17. I think it was close to 18. I think it was 17.9 because he was striking out over half the batters he faced. It was insane. But for Montes de Oca, I mean, if he's going up and striking out 14 per nine, you're looking at a lot of innings with two strikeouts. You know, more innings with two strikeouts than one strikeout is what that's telling you. And his ERA last year between AA and AAA was 3.33. Now, the walks are concerning. Last year, if you walk over five per nine, but if you can strike out the world more than you're walking the world, you can pitch yourself out of these jams. If he can have that control refined, and it looks like it's getting there with his early results in spring, it's hard to keep him out of that bullpen because you can really dream about what he can do for the Mets this season. A guy with all of his options. So I'm sure at some points this year he might be in AAA. It could be AAA to start the season if they want to give a more established guy the spot. You have guys like John Curtis and Jeff Brigham that are trying to make this bullpen as well. So there's every chance that the Mets say, you know what? Let's keep them. Let's develop them more. Let's put them in AAA. Let's have them close games down there and you know, be ready if we need them. I'll tell you, though, it, it's hard to pass up a guy that can, can touch 102 and maybe live at 100. Uh, that's, that's rare. And, and the Mets haven't developed a reliever like that in some time. I mean, I'm trying to think of outside of like Jerry's Familia, When's the last standout reliever the Mets have actually developed themselves? Uh, it's few and far between. You know, Drew Smith maybe the best recent example of it, and he doesn't have one-on-one in the tank uh, to be quite as dynamic as Deoka does. Anyway, though, that's going to be all for today's episode of Locked On Mets. This week on Locked On Mets, as always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show. At Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball to help you win your league this year with getting you ready for your draft so you are best prepared to dominate fantasy this year. Check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.